to American Slacker Podcast. As always, I'm Matt. And I'm Jesse, and today we're joined by our guest, Moxie LaBouche, podcaster, author, former burlesque dancer, and goat farmer. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. So many titles. Yeah, well, not all consecutively, not all concurrently, <laughs> I mean, though I did, I was for a time both a goat farmer and a burlesque dancer, and those schedules are not compatible. I would imagine the late nights and the early mornings don't yeah. get very oh, well. yeah. And whether you think you can... <laughs> just uh stay up for the remaining three and a half hours till chore time or only sleep for three and a half hours whichever you choose you are wrong <laughs> burning the candle at both ends well and the goats don't they don't care yeah, they <laughs> in fact in fact if they're like oh you were trying to have a life well i am going to kick you now yeah not fans of burlesque at all i'd imagine not at all well i don't know i don't think they had an opinion about that just about <laughs> me trying to have any life outside of their immediate needs <laughs> Very needy, I guess, goats then. Yeah, it's just how animals are, you know? Yep. Um, well, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Um, uh, maybe uh, about your, your podcast as well? Yeah, your, my show is called Your Brain on Facts, which is a weekly half hour of things you never knew you never knew. Topics ranging from the history of nursing to the origin of the Vulcan salute to the theft of Canada's strategic maple syrup reserve. Ooh. So yes, Canada had a strategic reserve of maple syrup and almost Ocean's Eleven style, a uh, crime ring siphoned off a multi-million dollar haul of maple syrup. That's a tough uh, steal too. Liquid is a heavy thing to be moving around. And well, they did it over many visits because they're just they're big drums of it. So they were just going in, siphoning off a drum or two. But, you know, coming back Office later. space style, penny yeah. here, it, penny there. I was say, exactly, I was imagining yeah. Heisenberg, dude, like a Heisenberg, like Canadian <laughs> Heisenberg character, just sitting there tankering it out slowly, making the numbers fudged, <laughs> dude. Canadian gold, baby. I never, who would have thought, you know? So you have all these interesting stories and facts that uh, sort of each episode, it seems, is based around like a specific theme. Yeah, and it'll usually be, you know, whatever has struck me. In the moment, whatever I found interesting that week, though right now I'm doing topics that are somehow tangential or parallel to current events, not as close as like covering the Black Plague, that's kind of on the nose, mm-hmm. but I, I did an episode on um, people having to get creative with their recipes during World War II rationing and the Great Depression, you know, when everybody had bought out all the flour and yeast at the grocery store. Got to get creative. I mean, yeah, that does ring some parallels to what's going on now with um, people being out of work and whatnot. What were some some of the more remarkable uh, things that people were coming up with during that time? Well, there was a lot of creative stuff. There were some things where it was surprising that it worked, uh, like the mock apple pie, where if you don't have apples, you use Ritz crackers. What? Hmm. Yeah. Oh. If you uh, hop on YouTube and go uh, to Emmy Made in Japan, it's all one word uh she has a playlist of uh i think they're called hard times recipes so they're they're recipes from like the depression and from times of shortage uh she even made haitian mud cookies i think in one episode um and apparently it works but i guess you put enough cinnamon and sugar in it you know anything will remind you of apples but then there were recipes like 
peanut butter stuffed baked onions. Whoa, whoa, which, whoa, whoa. Yeah, one, one author reporting on it said, peanut butter has nothing to say to a baked onion. <laughs> Yeah. But you need, you know, you need to get nutrition into people and peanut mm. butter stores well and is cheap and onions are cheap. So let's, yeah, sure. We'll just smoosh those two together and see what happens. Those are two flavors from the opposite end of the taste spectrum, though. I, I mean, Ooh. maybe, maybe saute the onions as a side, do well, a spoon if, of if, peanut if butter. You did like a, a satay sauce, like a Thai mm. peanut sauce. Oh, that okay. would work. But just putting a fistful <laughs> of peanut butter inside of a roasted onion just that's a bad better, better, better than starving but not by much <laughs> yeah right so uh you're also taking these interesting facts and stories and uh putting them into a book yes it is my distinct privilege to uh to now be a published author in fact later the evening of this recording i am live streaming the unboxing of my uh, advanced copies and I actually get to hold the physical book in my wow. hand for the first time. So pretty psyched. And it's, it is also called Your Brain on Facts. And it does cover some stuff that I couldn't get into in the show because it was a little little detailed, didn't work mm. as well uh, in the audio medium. Um, or, you know, there is the mating habits of the spotted hyena, which is just, I don't want to say it's a little blue, but you got to be ready for that particular chapter. Is this a picture chapter? Or no. <laughs> <laughs> no, for for visuals, you want to watch the Minute Earth video on the spotted hyenas. They do a really good representation there, particularly with their depiction of the female hyena's pseudo penis, oh, which mock, is mock often <laughs> often larger than the male hyena's actual penises. Shame. There you go, guys. Put them in their place, <laughs> and, man. I like and it. And the females, the the penis, their pseudo penis is actually a clitoris, but it's not analogous to a human clitoris because it also contains their birth canal, which wow. means not only does the male have to get his penis inside the pseudo penis from behind, so that's some freaking acrobatics right there, but then she has to give birth through it. Wow. So it's bas- basically like like trying to squeeze an orange down a garden hose damn yeah thought dating during coronavirus was difficult yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know i know my mom listens to the show so i leave some of those out but about two-thirds yeah. of the book is stuff that has never and will never be on the podcast so uh you have to get it in papery form Exclusive. or electronic form yeah well congratulations <laughs> thank that, you very that much. must be very exciting to be able to <laughs> hold something you wrote yeah it is it is pretty cool particularly after a long career of terrible fan fiction to actually be a proper author for a few minutes. What, what kind of fan fiction? I don't think we need to talk all the way back to forever night, which like one person who hears this has just lost their shit and, you know, <laughs> you know DM me, we'll talk about it. There you go. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of firefly, you know, Firefly was big. We've had a lot of guests on that were influenced by Firefly, funny enough. Yeah, it had a, a, a pretty significant cultural impact considering it was only on for less than a season and the episodes were run out of order. Unlike the movie Avatar, which was like the highest grossing movie of all time until two years ago, zero cultural impact whatsoever. Yeah. Mm. When was the last time you dropped an Avatar quote into a conversation? <laughs> I'm more likely to drop a Fern Gully quote. Tell me why they were signed That's for five movies. <laughs> like, I don't get it. They were signed for like an insane amount of movies. I don't know if that got canceled or not, but like, that's crazy. Oh, there's, a, there's a second one coming for reasons. Oh, wow. They were signed for five. Like, it was insane. <laughs> they were literally signed for a five like movie deal. I was I'll like, put it oh. out there. I've still never seen Avatar. 
dude. You haven't, was, missed, you haven't missed a goddamn thing. No, they dude, trick you is, with visual. That's it. For, it's it's really pretty to look at, but mm -hmm. so are screensavers. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I like that. And I like and it's a lot faster and, and free, the writing's better on a screensaver. You know, just like they're after this 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 element called unobtainium. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Did you not <laughs> update your notes before you sent this? Yeah, to print? that should that should Seriously. have been a fill in the that was a place, uh, the that word. Should have been a placeholder. Certainly. Totally. Yeah. And the whole body growing situation and kind of like downloading your personality to it like was a whole weird scenario too. And some, somehow they were able to short circuit it so that guy was permanently an avatar. Yeah, it, but it was basically just Fern Gully meets Pocahontas with Thunder Smurfs. Yeah, <laughs> Thunder Smurfs. <laughs> yeah. Now, Avatar The Last Airbender, arguably one of the most perfect television shows ever created, uh, Netflix is making a live-action version. Oh, but wow. those who are still emotionally scarred from the M. Night Shyamalan movie have no fear because the original creators of Avatar The Last Airbender are the ones running the show. Nice. So, right. and, and, and we're supposed to get like back some backstory on Uncle Iroh, who is inarguably the best character. Now that's some uh, a series that as soon as it jumped on Netflix, I put it on my watch list. And once I'm done with uh, going through Parks and Rec for like the 50th time, I'm probably going to jump on Avatar: Last Airbender because I've heard nothing but good things about the animated series. How have you made it this far in life without having watched Avatar? I was going to say the same thing. I haven't watched it either, and I know yeah. it's one of the oh, highest rated things there guys, are, honestly, it, as far as the internet. <laughs> well, it it's just really, really well made. This isn't like a cult favorite kind of thing. The writing is excellent. The character development, the characters are incredibly deep. They go through really significant arcs. The casting, the acting, the art design, the quality of the martial arts the characters are doing in, in their bending of the elements. Mm -hmm. Everything straight A's across the board. Well, see, now, now I'm ex the only thing I can feel is excitement because having not watched it, I'm looking forward to everything that I'm going to get. In yes, you absolutely it. should. <laughs> Saving the best for last, I guess, right? So you said you're going to be doing an unboxing later uh, with with like fans of the show live. Hopefully, cool. <laughs> Whether or not anyone turns up remains to be seen. Well, it's hit, hit or miss, but you know it's yeah. it's nice when it's the weekend at least doing those things. People are usually around. How yeah. how has the reception been with the podcast from people? Well, I've worked really hard to kind of organically grow it, not put any money into uh, you know Indian subscription farms where mm -hmm. like we'll get you up itunes ranking very good podcast promotion there's a lot and of those offers a lot of those yeah. Oh, yeah but you can have you know a subscriber count of a hundred thousand or you can have one thousand followers of which 100 are super engaged mm -hmm. and i would rather have that small and really engaged number because i've got like a cadre of people who routinely comment and and send messages and stuff. And I just, the first time I got a piece of feedback on the show, just, I, I still remember the feeling because it made my whole day just like, wow, I'm not just screaming into the void. <laughs> yeah, I am validated. I think that's the most rewarding part about being, you know, a content creator in this format, especially is like, you're, you're speaking into a mic, like, you know, you might not be doing a video, like, but you're speaking into a mic, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, mm -hmm. it's you upload and you let it go. And like that first few people that are like, this show's great. Like you're like, you're riding such an like high, honestly. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And w- yeah. when you get past, you know, only your mom and two friends listening, you know, for the yep. that first episode that <laughs> yes. had 25 downloads and now my episodes are getting 2,500. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, that's over 30 days per episode, but, but you know, I uh, ticked past a quarter million downloads last month, which I was, I was watching constantly to be able to get that screen caps, just like watching your car odometer <laughs> turnover yep. and, and refreshing every single second and damned if it didn't jump by six. Oh, like, oh I to, now I have to Photoshop it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how it goes though. I mean, it's be- better to have uh, those extra six, though, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been involved with uh, a lot of other stuff. One thing I definitely want to touch on, you mentioned you've been struck by lightning. Yeah, just a little bit. Just, um, a, little, just a little that's, bit. That's enough, though, to count, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it counted. It certainly counted. Um, about 10 years ago, I was milking the goats. It was raining really hard. And what I learned from my time as a goat farmer was that whether I try to go out early and beat the rain or try to wait, wait it out before I got to do the evening milking, I'm going to end up in the, the hardest part of the rain, the heaviest rain. So just go out on the usual time. And one of the goats was refusing to come out until I turned off the sky water, which they thought was within my power. Um, so I was standing there with my hand on the wire fence when the loudest crack you ever heard in your life sounded like it was three feet over my head. And as I was falling into the mud, I had three distinct thoughts inside of an instant. Stupid electric fence. The electric fence has been unplugged for a month. I think I've just been struck by lightning. And what had happened, thankfully it wasn't a direct hit, but what had happened was the lightning had hit the house, caught it on fire, and then dissipated out through the ground to the wire fence that I was holding onto. I I couldn't open or close my hand for a little bit. I couldn't do arithmetic in my head for about three weeks. Uh, my logic center was almost offline. Like I had to move my soap making business to the temporary apartment and I had the workshop full of equipment and boxes and the empty truck. That workshop full of equipment, empty truck. And I didn't know what happened next. I didn't know what was supposed to happen next. Yeah. Until one of my helpers said, so you want us to start moving the boxes first? Or like that, that's, mm. that's the thing we're doing. Yes, do that thing, please. Wow. That's yeah. a- so I, I have memory failings to this day that I attribute to the lightning strike. So I'll get like halfway through a fact and then realize I'm missing a lot of the details because mm. my, my brain is like an encyclopedia, but all the pages have been torn out and scattered around the room and are being shredded by squirrels. <laughs> you got to piece them back together when you need the information. Yeah. A lot of the files are 404 and people are like, oh, you researched for the podcast every week, you must be really smart. You must do lots of stuff. I'm like, I'm sure I do somehow, somewhere. I don't know where it is though. It's in there. It's not, it's not where I left it. Well, that that's crazy. The amount of uh, like, of, of, like physical and mental effects that um, something like that had, uh, even from not taking a direct hit, but from the, uh, I, I guess what is it? It's when it, you said it dissipated through the ground, came up and hit yeah, the fence. So, I, so I only got I only got part of it, but the part wow. I got was plenty. That's crazy. I, I'm glad you're around to tell us yeah. this story. That's, well, thank you. That's insane. I mean, did you go unconscious from it? Like, was it? It had to have been that overwhelming. Like a little right? bit. Like a, a like little, little bit. Like maybe just for a sec. Like a little bit of light maybe, and a little bit of unconsciousness. Maybe okay. maybe just for a sec. Wow, that's man. Just, oh, and you said the house caught on fire. What, what yeah, was that the, was kind of what was, was the kind result of a nuisance. Of that? Uh, well, it didn't burn down. We try to stay positive. We say it burnt up. 
and it wasn't even my first fire in this house. So um, the, the this one, at least we know, was caused by the lightning strike. The first fire, I believe, was caused by a 15-year-old purebred Himalayan cat who decided she wanted to be where the oil lamp was. Oh, so the yeah. oil lamp had to go. Had to go on the ground. In, in this case, onto the floor, yes. Classic mm -hmm. cat move. Yeah, the week before Christmas, naturally, because somebody has to get burned out of their house the week before Christmas. And, yeah. Uh, and then the lightning, because it it started a fire in the blown-in cellulose insulation in a wall, and that stuff just smolders and reignites like crazy. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so we were even trying with the garden hose to try to keep it down, because it seemed small, but it just would not go out. And so yet again, I got to move out of the house and they had to tear it down to studs. The plus side is I live in a 140 year old house. Um, the first fire, it had to be brought up to code for them to do the work on it. So I'm like, cool, upgrade. There you go. Fire was actually beneficial to me. So no more floor mounted outlets, push button light switches, cotton wrapped wiring or plaster oh. and lath walls. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like some of the me and Matt grew up in the Northeast and some of the houses that were, that were super old, the 1800s and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, my I live, house I live is in Northeastern Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. yep. A lot, a lot of old houses there, man. Oh, they're yeah. fun to deal with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My well, family's house in Pennsylvania was a, a 200 year old former uh, stagecoach way station and hotel oh wow huh. yeah damn it, it's crazy the amount of history in uh the buildings in in that area of the country you know don't have to tell don't talk to me about history right now <laughs> I, I live in richmond virginia which oh, is the yeah. capital of the confederacy and we're just now starting to get our shit a little bit together yeah well, 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 here's to hoping that you guys come all the way towards like California mo modernity, you know? Yeah. Well, the we have this this great big broad avenue lined with very expensive houses and trees, uh, and it's called Monument Avenue because mm -hmm. every other block there is a giant brass statue of a Confederate general. Oh wow. Apparently, apparently we didn't get the memo about the war ending. We just refuse to accept that we lost. And I'm saying we just because I live in Virginia, not because I in any way espouse the beliefs of the people who erected or have campaigned to keep those statues. Right. But last week, our governor said that the Robert E. Lee statue, which is the, the biggest one and the one people have been gathering around to protest every night, mm -hmm. is to be taken down as soon as possible. Oh, wow. And then the uh, Richmond City Council voted unanimously to remove the other nine. Wow. And, That's yeah, huge. Mm. Well, it's a topic that keeps coming up, would keep coming up, but would get shot down immediately. And I was wondering if I was even going to see this be fixed in my lifetime. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the statue cool. seemed like even in other Southern states as well, that seemed like a huge sticking point, um, at least in, in the past news cycles when they've come up. Uh, it, it's mm. a very staunch from certain community members saying, let's keep this. And then a whole ton of people are out there going, get this thing out of my town. Yeah. You're like it's our history. Well, it's mm. your. This isn't history. This isn't remembering. This is veneration. Mm. Yeah. This is is idolatry. Yeah, yeah. We only give we statues to people that did you know good things. Good things. We have literally <laughs> yeah. put them up on a pedestal. We have yeah. literally put them on yeah. a pedestal. Yeah. So then people are suggesting things that could go up uh, in place of the Confederate oh, cool. generals. And Richmond is the home of Guar. So a nice. lot of people oh, have been suggesting. <laughs> Odorous Arungus 
is is the only natural choice to replace Robert E. Lee. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm I don't hate the idea, you know. It would need a water feature because there has to be some liquid spewing out so if water is involved. Add some red yeah. dye. Totally. Nothing. But the red dye, if you're lucky, it's when they're using the white. That's not. <laughs> if anyone's ever been to a Guar concert, you'll know exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah. And those who are unfamiliar with Guar are very, very confused. Oh, yeah. Because when I when I first moved to Virginia, I saw Guar on a sketch comedy show on MTV. So I thought they were made up for the comedy show because oh. they were so ridiculous and outlandish. And the sketch was Guar will sacrifice your daughter on stage, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they're silly. And then like ten years later, I'm like, shit's real. Well, <laughs> I've never actually got to see him. My uh, my sister's uh, godfather, Nick, he he loves them. And he says he's kept his T-shirts from all of the concerts. I don't know where he keeps them, probably in a biohazard bag or something. <laughs> um, but he's always a spaz that it's the best concert that he's ever been to. Like, Yeah, I mean, they, they don't hold back nah. at a Guar show. They break that wall. They bring the crowd into the show, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but if, if you like Guar, there is some uh, some crazy themed metal bands out there like Mac Sabbath, which is a McDonald's metal band. Okay. And um, there's a, an all Ned Flanders metal yep. band. I love them. Uh, yeah, uh, okay, awesome. It's like O'Killy Dokilly. O'Killy Dokilly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Do you like craft beer? Uh huh. Do you like an unending wealth of puns? Uh huh. What about four-hour lectures on the ethics of cryptocurrency usage in third-world nations? No! Oh, right. But do you still want craft beer reviews and comedy, right? Uh-huh. Then listen to Hop Nation USA, a craft beer podcast. Available on iTunes, Podbean, Google Music Play, and Stitcher. Are you shitting me? No, I'm not. Just listen to the podcast. Hop Nation USA. Where all fine podcasts are sold. This episode is brought to you in part by Hemp-CBD.com. Hemp-CBD was founded in Albuquerque, New Mexico, with the mission to provide the best products in the industry. Hemp-CBD has created a one-stop shop for tons of CBD products, such as tinctures, edibles, topicals, pre-rolls, vape, and pet products. The products carried by Hemp-CBD are sourced from an organic hemp that's grown in the United States, Lab tested and consists of CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. This testing ensures that their products contain CBD and no other cannabinoids like THC. Head over to hemp-cbd.com and use promo code SLACKER for a 20% discount at checkout. That's hemp-cbd.com, promo code SLACKER. Um, So speaking of performing, uh, you mentioned that you had done burlesque for for some time yeah about about seven years what was your experiences in that um along with you know the i i think we have to mention george rr R. martin approved burlesque show yeah that's uh, that's something to talk about a friend of mine took me out to a burlesque show that he had tickets for and i didn't know burlesque was still a thing i thought that went out shortly after world war ii and i saw a performer doing an act to Menomina (laughs) as a big pink fuzzy Muppet with big googly eyes with eyelashes on her pasties. And the front of her G-string, she reveals at the end, is a mouth and it sings along with the end of the song. (laughs) And I just looked up at that and said, I have to do burlesque. This is the best thing ever. (laughs) And being super nerd, uh, immediately was doing nerdlesque. Pretty clear portmanteau there. 
which is how when when Game of Thrones came on, and of course we were immediately taken with it, myself and my husband who performs under the name Dante the Inferno. Uh, cool. Because when you start doing burlesque, which burlesque, the word burlesque means to twist, your brain starts to translate anything you're looking at into a routine. Hmm. My my mother fell and hit her head while in the hospital recovering from a knee operation because she didn't ask for help to get up because she doesn't want to be a bother. And I go to visit her and my brain's like, okay, so you come out on stage with your right arm and your left leg in a cast. And I'm like, brain, we don't have to make this into burlesque. Not right now. Yeah, just I'm, I'm doing something. Give me a break. Um, and so we did a small, uh, we did a Game of Thrones show uh, I was the mountain in year one because I was the smallest cast member um, with with my little plush horse who gets his head cut off and my Oberyn Martell doll with the raspberry jelly donut face. Brutal. Uh, we made it into a small regional tour. One of the other performers uh, later performed at a con that George R. R. Martin was doing a panel at. And he saw the show. She was doing her Red Woman, her Melisandre routine. And he asked to speak to her afterwards. She told him about our little regional tour. And he gave us his official blessing and his direct phone number, wow. which I never worked up the nerve to call because I didn't. <laughs> I was so afraid he would answer and not like an assistant. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to bother him. He's like in the middle of something. Like I could have drunk dialed George R.R. R. Martin, you guys. I just never pulled the trigger. And so, yeah, he invited us out to his theater in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's this uh, single screen Art Deco movie theater that he saved from demolition and had restored. And uh, we got to do the act on the three whole feet of walking space there was at the front of the thing there. You got As uh, my husband's favorite YouTuber says, you got to piss with the cock you got. And <laughs> There you go. I like that one. I like that Solid one Canadian there. wisdom there. Um, <laughs> and then he met with us afterwards, and he's just genuinely a really nice guy. Kind of quiet, which you'd expect from someone who's written 80,000 pages mm. of nerd material. Mm. Yeah. Um, and everybody needs to stop asking him when the book is coming out or yeah. what's going to happen if he dies before it's finished. Oh, my God. What a he's question. An old man. What a Leave him alone. question, first off. Yeah. Like, how rude. I mean, if you appreciate the man's arts, like, how, when you die, like, what if you leave us hanging, man? Come on, come on, man! Or like, just the, or just more. the assumption that he's going to die soon because he's got gray hair and he's overweight. He's overweight, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, yeah. I mean, like, the guy's yeah, a genius, yeah, yeah. Your mortality, obviously. but what about that book? Yeah, basically, <laughs> like, it's, he's he's yeah. he's taken to just answering that question with the with the finger. It's a yeah, the crux of creating on him for that seriously. Yeah. And Dude. my husband did a routine because normally in any kind of burlesque based on a work of fiction, you perform as characters. He's done two different acts, my husband, as George R.R. R. Martin. Oh, so cool. <laughs> uh, the first act, he was rolling around the stage in an office chair, throwing pieces off a chessboard. So just killing off all the characters yep, yep. while he strips. Yep. This one um, was based on, it was on one of the late night talk shows. They're like, we cut now to George R.R. R. Martin working on the book. And it's a guy dressed as him jumping on a backyard trampoline. So we got one of those little aerobics living room trampolines, little round ones. And so he did his strip as George R. R. Martin with the beard, the hat, the padded <laughs> belly while jumping on a trampoline to Todd Rundgren's Bang the Drum. I don't nice. want to work. I just want to play on the drum all day. <laughs> Which he said was the single most nerve wracking experience of his life. Because <laughs> in, in the routine, he, fakes, he has a heart attack and then resuscitates himself. And, you know, and the man's watching him do yeah. it. <laughs> 
you're performing just, as the guy who's yeah, sitting who's, in the who's audience. Who's there? Yeah. Uh, well, he's got he's got a, a tinted booth in the back, so nobody mm. can tell if he's there because he just gets mobbed anytime the public sees him. Mm. Um, but we're hoping in the last book there will be a character named Dante, but spelled a little funny, that dies horribly. <laughs> oh my god! What an honor! That, to be that will be his legacy. Him. Can you imagine? Oh, claim I'm sure people beg to be killed off in the book by him. Just, oh yeah, right. What, yeah. yeah. Go down a more that's how you're immortalized within uh, Game of Thrones is your death scene, really. I mean, that's what everyone sort of remembers. Uh, Nobody forgets Oberon. Nobody. Nope. Or the Red Wedding. No, the or the Red, Red Wedding. wedding. Oh, man, that was a heartbreaking <laughs> incident for the internet, man. The internet yeah. like was like fucking too hot that night. See, see now Matt and I probably I, I I think I can speak for both of us. We we didn't read the books though, so we're not true. Yeah, I was a show nerd into yeah, it sure. i was definitely yes, I like it, that sure. it took me a little bit to get into it but a lot of my friends had been watching it at the time and they sat me down <laughs> and said you're watching you to the chair yeah pretty much they're like you're gonna watch the first couple episodes because then you're gonna be hooked <laughs> i'm like all right like the modified ludovico they just propped your <laughs> eyelids open exactly <laughs> yeah and uh yeah, yeah. no it worked because because I, mm -hmm. I dug it from there on out yeah our first mc a performer uh called ego von hubris um who is a 30-year-old man who, if he shaves, looks like Maisie Williams. <laughs> so he did half the show as Joffrey and half as Arya. Uh, he lived in Maine when the books came out, and he said that when he got to the Red Wedding, when he read that, he threw his book out the window into the snow and <laughs> oh didn't God. go looking for it until spring. <laughs> he just was like, wow. I am fucking done. Are you yeah. kidding me with this? Yeah, so yeah. so we had him. We had to do Joffrey, and then dead switch to J dead Joffrey halfway through uh, Act One, and then Arya. This was the same year Dante did um, Jock and Hagar, the Faceless Man, mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. sheds a bunch of faces onto the stage, and you know, so Arya picks one up, but then comes back out on stage with white contacts ah. and fumbles her way around. It, good, times. good times. That's. It sounds like it had a lot of thought put into the different scenes. For sure. Yeah, when it when it worked, it worked splendidly. The flip side of that is when it failed, it failed spectacularly. Oh no! <laughs> oh, we played some gigs in just some shithole venues with no audience because you got to coordinate with someone who lives in that city with a performer in that area to be like, well, "Where's a good place? Do you have contact information for them?" Because finding the right venue is really, really super hard, mm -hmm. and getting an email back or getting them to return a phone call knowing what the liquor laws are and where you can perform because it varies by state and even by city. Like here in, in Virginia, you cannot have hard liquor and the removal of clothing unless you are an, uh, like an, you can be an art gallery with a bar, but you can't be a bar with a stage. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's really tricky. There's so you've got to know all those things. Yeah. yeah. And we'd get to cities to find out that the uh, performer didn't hang the posters we sent one just dropped them off at the venue they were still sitting like the whole basically the whole stack was still sitting there like are you kidding me so like, how are people going to come if they don't know it's happening like, yeah so there's just a lot of a lot of oh, so many dressing rooms that smelled like piss so many dressing rooms that smelled like piss <laughs> it sounds like some of the same struggles we hear from um smaller bands that oh yeah tour. it's road life Road life is the same whether you are a burlesque or a drag queen, a, a metalhead, a comic. It is sleeping in the car, brushing your teeth at the rest stop. And yeah, road life is pretty road much life. the same across the board. Comics, musicians, burlesque yeah. dancers. 
Um, the, the only time I have to say that I, I got to see burlesque was in Vegas. I mean, I feel like that's a good exposure point for a lot of people is when they're in Vegas because there's a lot of burlesque shows yeah. um, that are happening. And Matt, you were with me, weren't you, when we saw the yes, zombie sir. burlesque show? I'll always remember. I talk to the people about that all the time. That was it was quite awesome. A it it was, was a lot of fun. It was a lot Is of it fun. Rob Zombie or Zombie Zombies? No, no, no. <laughs> no Rob Zombie, unfortunately. That would have been kind of cool, too. Uh, there, have been, there have been, I I know of two all Rob Zombie shows that have happened. I'm sure he's a big yeah. horror fan. And then I'm sure Burlesque fits into that because, like you know, the theme of like horror into Burlesque is so amazing as well. You think he's got it in the hips Ooh. to like really work on stage? Or I bet you he's an agile man. Yeah. I bet you he is more, <laughs> more flexible thrust. than he looks. <laughs> yeah, I bet he's a thruster. But yeah, yeah no, it was it, <laughs> it was. I wouldn't say it was all burlesque. It was probably a little bit more of a variety show than a burlesque show Magic, specifically. Illusion. Yeah, there, there was, was a, a there was a guy doing um, what like pop and locking essentially. It was like weird sort of uh like body movements. It was he was on America's Got Talent too. So it was it was a variety of it, but it was all sort of tied together with this theme of zombie burlesque. Um, which was a cool idea. And it seems like, like you said before, you can almost take anything, even like an everyday thing that you're doing and turn it into a theme for a burlesque show. Yeah. Well, like there's rule 34, if it exists, there's porn of it. And rule 34B, <laughs> if it exists, there's burlesque of it. Because I, I have seen burlesque of every kind of a thing, but it sounds like the show that you saw is actually more in keeping with the origins of burlesque when it began in the vaudeville and British music hall tradition uh, in the middle of the 19th century. And slowly over time, the dancing girls became a more and more prominent part. Stories vary as to when the stripping actually started. There is a fabulous old movie that's almost impossible to find called The Night They Raided Minsky's, which is about one of the big burlesque halls in New York. That is the, the supposedly true story of the very first striptease with some really good classic Jewish comedy writing in it. Like huh. really, really gold. Um, but yeah, so the, the strippers then became a more and more prominent part until they were basically the whole show rather than the singers and the magicians, the comics, the chorus line. But then in the 1960s and 70s, topless bars, strip clubs, porno theaters, you know, things of that nature, it was easier, cheaper, faster to see naked women than going to the burlesque hall and people just weren't going for a Tuesday matinee anymore. And it basically died out, but then people started bringing it back around like the early 2000s, maybe even the late 1990s. Huh. Yeah, but it was, it was 2012 before I heard that it was still happening. It's, it's interesting to uh, follow the sort of patterns of it, of like sort of ebbing and flowing with, with the times and, and what's, do you think it's a response to like the, like society at the time? Abs absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's both being influenced by and then trying to influence because it's deeply rooted in, in satire mm -hmm. and mocking the social mores of the day, public figures, things of that nature. So, you know, you think of the baggy pants comics, uh, you know, would do that type of comedy. And there is a style of burlesque called neo burlesque, where it's really more about the statement that the act is making hmm. than the fact that there's clothing removal involved. And it, and I've even seen routines that are considered burlesque that don't involve nudity. I did a, well, this is not neo burlesque, but I did a routine of Super Grover that I almost forgot to incorporate any stripping because I was just so happy dressed up as Super Grover. <laughs> I was having a good time. Um, I've seen routines that have literally 
brought people to tears. Just, I've, I've seen people in the audience crying and it's, it's good if you can make them laugh. It's great if you can make them cry. Mm. Oh yeah. You, you, you really feel like you've done your job if you can get the audience crying. Oh, they felt something mm. then for sure. Yeah. And especially if, if what you're doing is coming from within, if you're really drawing on something from your life. So there are a lot of women who do routines about, um, body shaming they've experienced or overcoming uh, abuse. Uh, Dante has a, a routine to the Imagine Dra Dragon song Demons, hmm. where he deals with visible symbols of things he's been through in his life. And that that always gets people crying. Him too, he's usually, because it's an emotional catharsis, so he's yeah. usually tearing up by the end of it. Well, the thing is, he he's the crier. I'm the, <laughs> I'm kind of the butch one. But when we got together, he had a sewing machine. I had two chainsaws. Sounds like a match made in heaven. <laughs> we really fit together very well. And, and I'm getting vibes of like uh, interpretive dance almost. Um, in, in yeah, the, in a way. Sort of incorporated in, into this, this style of art. Yeah, I think a little easier to understand, though, maybe than some of the interpretive dance that I've true that i've seen of course interpretive dance is usually used as a, a joke it's usually used as a punchline like right like the dude's landlord in the big lebowski <laughs> so maybe I, I didn't mean to disparage it there might be some amazing interpretive dance out there listeners you know you can uh at me on on twitter at brain on facts pod let me know <laughs> link link me to some interpretive dance that you think will really set me straight there you go. Or or maybe it was my my use of the word interpretive. It seems like dance is sort of at the heart of burlesque in a way, along with sort of sending forth uh, whatever message the person performing it is looking to send yeah. to the audience. And you can always tell which performers have been doing, you know, have dance lessons since they were three. And then <laughs> there's me, you know. <laughs> just and then the rest of us well, and yeah, sometimes you're, it's, you're dancing more than me and matt <laughs> i'm sure you're better than us dancing yeah. is we're still using the word dance very loosely here there True. there is there is a fabulous word uh balter it is a verb to balter which is to dance joyous joyously though without skill so at, at best i was a baltering burlesker i've been baltering but, uh, for years i was gonna say also known as confidence i mean man, <laughs> i can't help but admire that <laughs> and yeah. you know there there are boy leskers as well if you gents right. ever feel like you need an Ooh. additional creative is that outlet. the official yeah. term yeah mm. typically they're usually asking call it called boys boy lesk we'll stick, boy we'll stick lesk on anything i'll go batman matt will go robin we'll put something what? why do i gotta be robin dude he's cooler man no he's not you can pull Don't off to me you can pull off the spandex Don't better lie to me now my god <laughs> okay well you first, first you're gonna have to think a little bit harder than that because there's been a lot of batman and robins <laughs> i was gonna say you know. ah, shucks I've I've seen I've seen a really good Jay and Silent Bob mm, uh, burlesque ooh. routine. The guy the guy doing Jay just he his Jason Mewes impression was exact. Jay, man, what <laughs> yeah. a guy! Love that guy. Quite a quite a story himself coming over addiction. So that's another creative outlet for us to explore with American <laughs> yeah. Slacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the all, all live nude American Slacker. Oh my Ayo. god, no Patreon no, no. exclusive. YouTube took us off right away. They took us off a minute ago talking about it. <laughs> If you're looking for something different, Murder Mile covers the untold, unsolved, and long-forgotten murders in London's West End. It's researched using the original police investigation files, it's presented as a dramatization, and it focuses on the victims' lives in an honest, detailed, and sympathetic way. Murder Mile is about life, not lunatics. 
So if you love true crime stories about real murders by regular people in everyday places, then Murder Mile is just for you. Murder Mile was nominated one of the best British true crime podcasts of 2018. So if you love things a little bit different, try Murder Mile. Support for American Slacker comes from Manscaped, who's the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I don't know about you, Jesse, but I am sick and tired of being outmatched by these razors and traditional trimmers that you get in the store, and no matter what, they, they fucking snag your nuts. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. They have a lawnmower 2.0 razor, which they have sent our way, has a proprietary skin-safe technology, so you won't get those nicks or snags on your nuts. Nice! Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Yeah, and with our 20% off code plus free shipping, you're going to be saving a bunch of money and getting some great products that won't end up uh, making it look like a war zone down there. All you got to do is enter Slackers at checkout. Manscaped.com, 20% off. Get your anti-chafing ball deodorant, your sweet lawnmower 2.0. Your nuts will thank you later. You can even rep them by getting yourself a Manscaped.com t-shirt. So head on over to Manscaped.com, 20% off at checkout, enter code SLACKERS. Get your ball swag here. Um, now, talking about your podcast, I wanted to get into the idea. How did you go from, like, burlesque, and now you were all of a sudden, like, into a facts podcast? I mean, you're I love your show. I just, Thank you. Thank you. You deliver facts. It's an education podcast without being an education podcast. It's going to make you go to sleep. Like there's something about it that just you deliver it quick, you deliver it in a way that it's it's interesting and fun to take it in, and uh, I just feel like that's such a a unique change from burlesque to like facts like that, you know. It's a less abrupt change than goat farmer to burlesque dancer. It's- As I was saying that, I was like, I mean, I, I'm furnace. Totally, yeah, just giving yeah. the whole fact of lightning struck goat farming burlesque. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe that lightning strike just gave you all this power. I don't know. That's what it came from. No, no, uh, well, I was, <laughs> no. Okay. It, it, it didn't. It didn't even. It didn't. I didn't even get cool. One of the cool lightning scars. I didn't get anything out of it. No, but um, no. I have always loved the interesting facts, the weird facts, the thing you never heard about this particular topic, mm-hmm. which we're pretty steeped in right now, getting our our mm. history corrected. Um, and I was a died in the wool TV addict as a kid, mm. like Mike TV on, mm. and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has got nothing on me. <laughs> so that was my punishment whenever I would act up. And being one of six kids and having ADD, I was constantly acting up. So I'd have TV taken away. But an exception was made that I could watch the news and educational programming. Mm. And this was in the 1980s before Discovery Channel and that stuff. So I was going to watch TV regardless. And so, yeah, I started watching documentaries and stuff. And that helped to to kickstart uh, my natural curiosity. But the trouble is I would have all of these facts and then not anywhere appropriate to put them. Because, you know, when I'm scanning people's groceries at the grocery store, they might not want to hear that avocados have huge pits because the seeds used to be redistributed by a prehistoric ground sloth that the tree was in a symbiotic relationship with. They just want me to ring up the damn avocado and let them leave. <laughs> I have I have derailed arguments, not in a good way, but just like turning both of the arguing parties now onto me because I felt like now would be a good time to explain the meaning of the term devil's advocate. (laughs) Just 
can't stop myself. It's out of a mouth before I even hear it. So my husband got into listening to podcasts and he got me into listening. Um, my very first one was Unorthodox, which calls itself the universe's leading Jewish podcast. And uh, Jews and Gentiles alike should definitely listen to it, especially if you've always been curious about Judaism, but not like cool. 100% sure what's going on. Mm-hmm. Definitely check it out. Um, they're like, okay, no, this is pretty cool. Because I had a lot of the misconceptions people have before they start listening to podcasts. Like, how do I find it? How do I know it's going to be good? How do I find what I like? I thought I had to like stop and listen to it. Didn't even occur to me. I could just, you know, listen to it while I'm do your thing. doing gardening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I thought that a podcast would be a really great way to, to hit the release valve on these facts. But the trouble is writing a seven page script each week is just putting more shit in my brain. Mm-hmm. which just gets mixed up and confused with the stuff that's already in there. <laughs> it is a lot of information. I'll, I will forget wholesale stuff that mm. I have already covered. And like, I'll go back and like, what the hell is this episode even about? And I'm only 100 episodes, 110 episodes in. Like, I don't even remember writing this. It's like um, Stephen King directed Maximum Overdrive, the movie where the earth passes through the tail of a comet and the machines come alive pretty subjectively. Um, it's the only movie based on one of his books that he ever directed. He was so high on cocaine so much of the time, he has no independent memory of doing that. Oh, my God. Wow. It was in the 80s, I'm guessing, right? Yes. Yes. Definitely. It was one of those movies that came on TBS, like, way late at night on the the nights that they weren't running Beastmaster. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is it Beastmaster or Maximum Overdrive? Oh, man. I, that that has to be difficult though after like you said over a hundred episodes uh have you gotten close to covering the same thing and been like wait no i'm having flashbacks i definitely talked about that <laughs> avocado thing yeah. well sometimes i i do revisit things but to expand on them like oh, nice. i'll mention we touched on this back in episode whatever but you know here's more of it because it's impossible to exhaust a topic there is always more yeah. You know, and, and anything can be interesting if you stop and look. Like you ever look at like a little small thing, whether it's a bug or a little rock, at a glance it doesn't look like any doesn't look like much of anything. But the longer you look at it and the more detail you see and the more interesting it becomes. Mm-hmm. My husband was flipping through YouTube, because YouTube's basically our TV at this point, and he saw like an hour-long video about the making of Johnny Quest, the old Johnny Quest cartoon show. He's like, cool. how are you gonna talk about that for an hour? I'm like Dude, I would do an hour just to start with, okay? Because I'm going to talk about the, whose idea it was and the creation of the show and the animation process and what country they outsource it to. And then I'm going to do the backstory of all the writers. And No, I could do an entire podcast show about Johnny Quest. Because if you keep looking, there will always be more to find. It's my, my life philosophy lesson for you to take away today, gentle listener. If you keep looking, there is always more to find. Inspiring. Never let curiosity die. I like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's the smartest thing you're going to hear today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like George Costanza going out on top. <laughs> I was going to say, you should have said welcome to your TED Talk, but you really did a TED Talk. I did. And I feel I like that's something we need to touch on as well. It was um, about burlesque, needless to say. <laughs> needless to say, yep, yep. We both watched it. and we were Very well performed. I, I, love, yeah. I love the delivery as well uh, in, in poem form. Well, that, that was a matter of necessity. Because I failed the one of the interviews to get a full spot, um, I was the late, second lady was not impressed with me. Oh, so and, how, sorry. How is the process? Well, I don't know if it's that? the same all the time. Okay, I don't know if it happens the same as it happened to happen in 
in Richmond. Okay. Because this was TEDx RVA, which is what we call Richmond, Virginia. Um, and one lady who's involved with it, that's a friend of my, the photographer I always work with, um, he put me onto her and she did the initial interview and she had some great ideas for me, but I wasn't 100% sure what I was going to talk about her house. So when I talked to the second person who was higher up in the, the organization, she was just not, not impressed with what I had to say. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. But then they did this open mic to win effectively a three minute spot in the TED talk. And a lot of people got spots to do it. It filled up really quickly. And I fought tooth and nail to get it because uh, it was like you would vote by text and they give you the number like at the very end of the night. And of course, everybody's texting everybody they've ever known being like, you need to text this number right now. <laughs> um, and so I, I managed to tie with another person and they let us both have a spot. But wow. I did it in in rhyme to be especially memorable. Nice. Um, so I have this Susian presentation on the general history uh, of burlesque. And that event was held in the Carpenter Center, which is a big theater here in town. Like um, Chris Cornell played it a few weeks before uh, he right. passed away. Big, big names. The big stuff happens there. And it was the only time burlesque will ever happen in the big room because my theater was... Um, two hallways down at the other end of the building, the theater I usually produce in. Mm -hmm. So if only that one time there was burlesque on the main stage. Well, that's awesome. And it, yeah, it looked like a huge crowd there. Uh, oh yeah. It was, it was capacity. Well, I mean the, the tech costs are $15,000 a day. So oh. that's why burlesque will never happen in the Carpenter <laughs> center. It's not because they don't want us because um, the theater complex is run by a big multinational corporation mm -hmm. I didn't want to bother asking them if we could do our shows there. Cause I'm like, they're going to just tell me no, but I did. And they, they agreed to a meeting and the regional general manager for this big multinational company met me at the elevator. She said, we're so glad to have you here. I'm like, wait, is this on lock? Cause I've gotten a lot of no's in the last two weeks. And it turns out her grandfather was a musician in the pit in a burlesque hall. Wow. And he also played the symphony, but he told the family it's burlesque is paying our bills. Damn. You know, so she had this really special place in her heart for us. And she and the production man, manager, who I called our handler, would, would have to fight the board of directors and the people whose names are on the theaters mm -hmm. uh, to keep our shows there. And like they wanted to put the sandwich board out front that says this, pro, this uh, performance contains nudity. And they refused to do it. Like it's a burlesque show. They know it has nudity. I'm not putting the sign out. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, I, do you still run into that a lot with it being Virginia specifically? I Virginia is at the very tip of the Bible belt and it's real conservative. Richmond particularly has this mindset of, uh, we don't like the status quo, but don't you dare suggest changing it <laughs> because that's tradition. <laughs> and we just, we just want to whine. We don't actually want, until very recently, we didn't want any actual change yeah. apparently. We're more passionate about, you know, useless stuff that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but I, I got out of producing and performing. Well, I got, I got pretty burned out producing because it's a lot of hard work. And if it goes really well, that's super. If it goes badly, you've just asked people to drive in from all over to perform for you in an empty room. And now you got to go to the ATM. Yeah. And you got to empty out your bank account to at least pay them something. 
while you wait for a pittance from the theater for your your cut to come by check in two weeks yeah that's difficult is there any like i guess idea of pivoting to some of the new media for burlesque is there are there burlesque uh performers out on say like instagram live is one thing that comes to mind well, you got to do all the social meds if you're a performer of any kind. Right. So that that didn't change when I shifted from burlesque to podcasting. Yeah. And with the lockdown, the coronavirus lockdown, a lot of shows are trying to do online shows mm-hmm. so that they can still perform and keep their business going and keep their livelihoods going. Because I know so many people who, within the last five or 10 years, were finally able to transition to full-time performer, not having to have a nine to five job mm-hmm. and then this shit happens. Yep. And you know, a lot of people I know are just scrambling and there's, there's nothing mm-hmm. to scramble for. It's nothing to do. So they've tried to move to, to an online medium. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not as far as I've seen getting the traction that they need. So my challenge to you, ladies and gentlemen, my gentle, gentle listener, look around on the Facebook for some burlesque in your area, support the local show. It's going to be almost as good to watch on the screen. You know what? Hook your, hook your computer up to the TV. Watch it in the living room. It'll be great. Yeah. Turn the lights off. Get a stiff drink. Be fabulous. Make a night of it. There you go. That'd be a, a good way to spend the weekend, ch- yeah. supporting some local or uh, or in- independent burlesque performers. Yeah, whether whether they're local to you or not, you're definitely still essentially supporting a small business a very 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 small business one more thing i wanted to ask about is just how are the goats doing i (laughs) sold them five years ago because i couldn't stand the sight of them anymore (laughs) well i'd I'd been running the farm effectively by myself for over a decade my first husband had over the course of a few years four spinal surgeries oh wow and but he didn't even do the stuff he could do to help and after doing it uh by myself for 11 years it's like i don't care anymore and people who've experienced burnout will know that feeling of just Mm -hmm. looking at the thing you used to be so passionate about and being like i just don't give a shit anymore how this turns out Mm -hmm. i really don't yeah and you might say to yourself i'm going to go away for a while wait you know see if i miss it and then come back you will have lost so much momentum it will be impossible to get going again so nothing lasts forever Mm -hmm. when you get burned out let it go don't don't fight it burnout happens don't torture yourself let it go especially within an entire farm like that's (laughs) all them goats yeah because it's it's not like the burlesque which i could just be like i'm not going to book any shows for the next three months the goats are still waiting to be milked at 6 Mm -hmm. a.m he could give a damn yep well this this has all been quite a lot of interesting information uh quite a journey that that's what i would expect from someone delivering all these interesting facts on (laughs) on you know a normal basis well i thank you would you like to hear one of my favorite facts yeah let's hear it the second longest place name in any english-speaking country is the welsh town of it is 58 letters long there are four L's in a row because it's Welsh. It, it is only beaten out by a New Zealand town. You Google for this name uh, and oh, hop on YouTube and you can hear people saying it. 
it, it, it's like more than one complete line of text. And I have yet to practice enough to be able to say that. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> I, I'll get it. I'll, I'll get it. I'll have it for the next one. I'm impressed by the <laughs> Welsh know? one enough, you know? Yeah, man. That, no, that took doing. That, That's awesome. I had, to, I had to break it down into little chunks and write mm -hmm. it down phonetically. It's like um, pneumono ultrascopic, pneumono ultra, ultra, ultra microscopic, silico volcanic <laughs> There you go. Which is that was the, the longest I, I learned that term. one in like middle school because yep. oh, you had it better for that better reason. science program than I did, uh, <laughs> and and so that's the longest um, medical term. The longest non-medical term in the dictionary is um, anti-disestablishmentarianism, which is mm. of course a good one. And I need to actually look up the one that I need to to take us out on a high note here: the act of judging something to be worthless. And this is a word that some will argue is not a word because it's a recently coined word. And I do oh. have to read this one to get it right. And I'm still going to take five tries. Okay. Floxina sine hirif. Floxina. <laughs> when you hear it, you'll understand why I'm having so much trouble. Floxina sine hilipilification. That was correct that wow. time. Wow. Fluxina sine hilipilification, which is the act of judging something to be worthless. Wow. Wow. And for those curious <laughs> about the spelling, that is F L O C C I N A U C I N I H I L I P I L I F I C A T I O N. Jeez. That's brutal. Whoever designed that was a bad man or mad woman. I'll I think that. it actually came out of an RP out of a tabletop RPG. I that think it sense. came out of like a tabletop RPG session, possibly a real play podcast. But yeah, that does kind of you can kind of get a whiff of D and D of, of nerd off of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, some words you didn't know that you needed to know. Man, <laughs> just like the facts you provide on your podcast, Moxie, we are big fans. We are continually going to be fans of your podcast and listen it's production value is amazing oh uh, thank so you so much just, and that's just that's just me and free recording software and all i've got to say don't tell the people working wonders i'll tell you what it sounds amazing it sounds mm -hmm. like very very high value production and top notch everybody needs well, to check it out my mother my mother was in radio in the 60s and 70s that explains right. so, why you have that voice okay that's also why i have the the mellifluous radio voice you know you this is moxie labouche from your brain on facts no, you have and, a a smooth voice like it's captivating Perfect. i like thank it. you thank you okay well, you should you should hear me in my off hours i basically just sound like a 10 year old boy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so so mom taught us all how to immediately drop into our radio voice i don't think it was ever a deliberate lesson we just mm -hmm. picked it up like an little animals watching the mama animal and mm -hmm. so if you called our house regardless of which daughter answered you would hear a radio voice yep yeah, well, it comes down to like each pronunciation of every word. Like it's very, very smooth, easy mm -hmm. to take in. We can't help but enjoy it. You're hanging on my every dip. I'm sure your book <laughs> is just as interesting to read. And uh, one more time, what's the name of the book? Where can they get it? When? Well, it comes out on uh, June the 16th. If you're hearing this before then, it is available for pre-order. The full title of the book, uh, I can't believe the uh, publisher went for this was is your brain on facts things you didn't know things you thought you knew and things you never knew you never knew that's the title takes up the entire front cover but uh you can uh, i recommend first off try your local booksellers from a safe distance of course Ooh. because they need your love now more than ever uh, it is available on amazon of course because everything is but there is also a company called um 
bookshop.org, which is like a clearinghouse for indie booksellers. Nice. So you can still get it technically from a small business, you know, from mm. a local bookseller. And, and this is against my own self-interest, it's like a dollar cheaper on oh, wow. Bookshop than it is on Amazon. But if you Ooh. go to yourbrainonfacts.com slash book, it'll port you over to the Amazon page. Awesome. Awesome. Make sure to check her out, people. If people wanted to follow the show or you or anything else, where would they find you? Well, as soon as you've finished binging the entire uh, American Slacker catalog, which I hope <laughs> you have by now, uh, just search for Your Brain on Facts on your podcast listening app. You can visit yourbrainonfacts.com. Follow me on the social media, Facebook and Twitter. Excuse me, Facebook and Instagram at Your Brain on Facts. And Twitter is Brain on Facts Pod because God forbid Twitter gave us enough letters. Uh, I feel you on that. Preach. I was one letter short of the show name. Oh, oh it's like, too close. Wow, my fucking branding. Too close. Oh. The podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Podcast. No, it was, your, it was your brain on fact. Oh, oh. to be your brain it's on like, fact. Oh, it's, it's like, do I, do I leave it that close? What would the do one I, do I do a brain be? on fact? Or, you know, so it's brain on facts pod. Yeah. Oh, there man. you go. Well, people make sure to check it out. Uh, it is Slacker approved. You see the seal right there on the screen. Boom. Stamped. Boom. Stamped. And uh, Moxie, thank you so much. We'll have to do this again. It was a lot of fun, and we've barely touched the surface on the complex character that I feel you are. And uh, um, we, we're definitely going to do it again. Just because you are a character doesn't mean you have character. Oh, I mean, well, you got a little bit of balance, so you're, you're, you're yeah. out of that, be, okay? Be careful with that joke. It's an antique. Uh, <laughs> oh, you got to break it. Don't, don't, don't. Fragile. Fragile, man. All right, people. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, until next time. That's it. There you go. We smoke in America. America. We pass in America. I'm mapping America. America. I'm second America. America. We talking America. America. We blazing America. This is fucking America. America. We second America. America. This has been American Slacker Podcast. You can reach the show by searching American Slacker on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. Or send them an email to American Slacker Podcast at gmail.com. You can download and rate American Slacker on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and all other podcast platforms. Visit the show's website, aspodcast.com, where you will find every episode, official merchandise, and links to their Patreon if you would like to support American Slacker. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Think about the second set of passing. Man, I gotta go and get it, grab it. Why you gotta go and neck it savage? Smoking weed, I gotta feed the habit. Now I'm on some other shit. Things that I gotta go get. Medical all on my slip. You falling like dominoes, bitch. Stuck in my ways, fucking high days, fucking sideways in the driveway. We smoking America, America. We passing America. I'm mapping America, America. I'm second America, America. We talking America, America. We blazing America. This is fucking America, America. We second America. We second America, America.